0: I was talking to a brand new uh, family uh, after last service, and uh, they just asked a few questions about the church, and and they just said, "Well, you know, what's your what's your thing?" And I said, "Well, as you found out this last service, we are humanitarians. I mean, we follow Jesus, who was a humanitarian, and he sought out those who really needed a hand and and the dignity that Alex mentioned, and uh, and that's really who we are. We are humanitarian church." following Jesus, helping people in need, and not only helping them, but learning from them. And uh, so it's just so wonderful. We have uh, an amazingly generous church, so I'd encourage you to sponsor a family, a child if you can for this uh, special needs prom. And if you can't, just a a piece would help everybody out there, as well as you can go to uh, ranchertv slash thrive. Uh, Also, just a little report about our year-end generosity. Um, We have so many charitable works that we do, especially in the holiday season, as a staff, we ask ourselves all the time, are we asking too much of this church? Every year we ask that question. Are we asking too much of Rancho? And every year, Rancho steps up and meets the need of our generosity goals every holiday season. I I could go on for half an hour of all that happened. Let me just give you one example. Over $200,000 was given to Community Mission of Hope just in the past month to help people in need, feed and house those in need. And we thank you very, very much that's just one thing. I could, I could go on and on. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Rancho. For those of you who are new, you're getting a little taste of, of who we are. All right, it is the new year, and uh, it is a time to make some changes. Some people make some changes. Some people make New Year's resolutions. Some people are over it, uh, and I get that. Um, let me just say, as we start, New Year's resolutions almost always fail, and that's okay. Nothing to worry about. It doesn't mean we shouldn't make some commitments. We shouldn't change. In fact, this winter series is called Revamped, So we're going to talk about making some changes in our lives, but we're not going to talk about making changes through New Year's resolutions. Um, In fact, here are the statistics about New Year's resolutions. Ready? 40% of U.S. adults set New Year's resolutions every year, 40%. I thought that was kind of low. I expected it to be higher. Uh, Young adults have a higher propensity to make New Year's resolutions. 59% of young adults make New Year's resolutions. What that shows me is that the older we get, the more we have failed and the less we make New Year's resolutions. Pretty simple math, right? Totally understandable. Of the New Year's resolutions that are made, 48% have to do with exercising. Everybody wants better health and and all that and eat right and all that. So 48% have to do with exercise and the others relate with um, money, family time, time management, uh, maybe matters of faith. 23% bail out in the first week of their New Year's resolution. If you were here right as the service was starting, Alex confessed that his lasted zero days and zero minutes, and he was out. Uh, So 64% bail out in the first month, 80% bail out the first year, right? Now, we can look at those statistics, and we can say, all right, well, we're not gonna make New Year's resolutions. And I would encourage you to not think that. I I would encourage you to think that it's all part of the journey. Just be patient with yourself, right? It's all part of the journey. Make a commitment, maybe it doesn't last, but you learn something, right? we can make a commitment again and maybe downsize the commitment, make it more attainable, right? Just maybe stick to one. Um, And there's just a journey, a long process of revamping, a process of becoming better slowly over time. So be patient with yourself. I also wanna encourage you that maybe change, real change is not about resolutions, but it's about a deeper, I would say, spiritual soul level journey about following God, specifically following Jesus, and becoming the person that God envisions us to become. Um, he's a patient Heavenly Father, so he knows where we need to improve, and he's patient with that. And, but he wants to work with us. He wants to work with us slowly to make little commitments, and make little changes over time, that make us a better person, uh, make our families a little better, make our community a little better, and make us more like Jesus. So that's the journey we're gonna talk about during these, this revamped series. Now some of the changes we wanna make are are small little refining tweaks. So maybe we wanna exercise a little more, manage our time a little better, save a little more money, invest better, give more money, spend a little more time with our family, maybe get some more rest, sleep better, uh, deepen our walk with God, just little tweaks. So some of you might have in the forefront of your mind some little things you wanna change to make your life a little better. Some of you might have big goals big, gnarly goals, because you're feeling as though you need a real change in your life. Maybe going back to school, finding a new career, getting a new job, moving to a new town, or even to a new state. To be clear about that, if you live in Temecula, you have to stay, you can't move, we like you. If you're watching online and live out of town, you may move to Temecula, that is allowed. But maybe you're you're ready for a new start. Uh, Some of you have always thought about, maybe I could start a new business, and this is the time. Or you wanna kick an addiction that you know is not helpful to you. Not helpful to you, your body, your family, maybe causing some you know, negativity in your life and now is the time and this is the time to kick an addiction. Or maybe you wanna make a commitment to be the spouse you've always wanted to be or the parent you've always wanted to be or the grandparent you've always wanted to be. So some of our commitments might be on the small side, some might be on the big side. All of them are difficult. Making a change, revamping our lives is difficult. And so there's a question to be asked. Can people really change? Can people really change? Now we know how difficult it is to change others, but can we even change ourselves? I mean, at a deep level, a profound level, can people really change? Well, the short answer is yes-ish. I don't think we can be too cavalier about, oh yeah, we can totally change, let's go. I think we need to be realistic about how difficult it is to actually change. We can change, God has wired us to change, our brains are wired to change, but it is very difficult. I'm gonna talk about four levels of changeability. I wanna be really clear about this. These are Scott Treadway four levels, this isn't science. So I'll be very clear when this is like authoritative science and when it's just me with an opinion. This is me with an opinion. I think there are four levels of changeability that we have to be sober about if we're going to really plan out what it means to revamp parts of our lives. The first uh, level of changeability, I'll call the hardwired level. This is the DNA level. This is the stuff we are just born with at the DNA molecule that is hardwired in. Things like our height. Can't change your height. You can make a New Year's resolution, to be taller or shorter, good luck not going to happen, right? The color of our hair, our eyes, our skin, ethnic traits, including facial features, body features, other biological traits and biological tendencies are hardwired in. Brain and body chemistry, much of which is hardwired. It's even likely, now this is according to many, many studies, it's likely that much of our personality is hardwired and unchangeable. And some of you are looking at the person next to you going, well, that's unfortunate. Science indicates that between 40 and 60% of our personalities are hardwired and unchangeable. That's kind of crazy to me. We might think our personalities are in our control. Roughly half of your personality is not, all right? So the hardwired level is impossible to change. Then underneath that is the programmed level, and this is the brain wiring level. Our brains are little Computers, three-pound supercomputers just pumping out trillions of calculations every single day. And not only do they pump out trillions of calculations every single day, our brains are changing the way we calculate. I mean, truly, molecules are connecting in different ways every single day. This is called brain elasticity. Our brains change. Our brains can rewire. So this isn't necessarily at the DNA unchangeable level. This is at the brain wiring level. Things like our personality. The other half of our personality that is changeable can be changed through brain rewiring. And that's kinda cool because if you've ever thought, hey, I think I wanna be a nicer person. I think I wanna be a more charitable person. I think I wanna be more, you know, tranquilo and not so stressed out. I think I wanna be more inquisitive or thoughtful. These are personality things that we can actually change. We can decide to change our personalities and our brains will rewire to accommodate. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing, right? Abilities can be reprogrammed. Our brains are, are programmed for certain abilities or disabilities that we might have. And that could go to uh, intelligence or how we you know, process our thinking. It can go to you know, how artistic we are. Everybody has different brain wiring, uh, really from genetics. Um, but then through the course of our lives, we can actually change our abilities. We can reprogram our brains to achieve new abilities. It's difficult, but it can happen. For those of you who have learned an an instrument and become proficient at that instrument, you know what's possible. You know you can decide to have an ability that you didn't have before, and over a very long period of time, your brain can rewire itself to be proficient in that ability. Give you an example. Um, I could decide right now to be as good at guitar as Devin and Shad are on our worship team. I can make that decision, why are you laughing? That's very offensive, deeply, deeply offensive. Well, the reason why we're laughing is because, okay, what would it take to be that proficient at guitar? Decades of constant practice, right? Now, is that possible? Yes. Am I going to do it? No, not going to do it. But there's other things that I could choose to do. I could choose to have an ability that I don't currently have, and we can go after it. You know, a new language, a sport, an art, you name it. Our brains are fantastically wired to learn new abilities. Then there are propensities that are programmed into our brains. Propensities. These are tendencies that our brains are wired for. Uh, We each have these propensities, which could include our level of health, uh, diseases we might be susceptible to, um, these could be things like our sexuality, addictions, mental health, physical health, responses to stress. These things are programmed in, right? They can change, but it is exceedingly difficult so we 've talked about two levels: the hardwired level and the programmed level. Those are exceedingly difficult to change. hardwired is impossible. Programmed is exceedingly difficult. Now these are the who I am things, right there 's a lot of talk about. who I am, or being my true self. And I like that conversation, I appreciate that conversation. This is about embracing our hardwiring and embracing our programming and to say, you know what? I'm good with who I am. I love who I am, I'm gonna embrace who I am with my personality and with my abilities and with my propensities, with it all. With my height and with my shape and with my coloring and with my features, I'm gonna embrace it. In fact, we see that in the Bible, we see King David. He writes a song basically talking about what a big deal he is and how cool he is. And I kinda like this, right? It's a famous passage, Psalm 139, 13 and 14. The songwriter is saying, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. Imagine him staring in a mirror writing the song. God, look at what you've done. This is amazing, right? Now, King David, who's likely the author here, he knows his flaws. He knows his faults. He knows his failures. Half the Psalms is about false flaws and failures and fears. Yet he had the ability to look at himself in the mirror and say, God, I'm a big deal. I am wonderfully made. I'm going to embrace who I am at the hardwired level. I'm going to embrace who I am at the program level. God, you've done a great job. And I hope we could all do the same thing. I hope we can kind of separate ourselves from sort of the cultural pressures that say you have to look a certain way and be a certain way. And we can just say, God, thank you for making me as I am and who I am at the hardwired level and at the program level. Then there's the environmental level. <clears throat> the environmental level. This is the water that surrounds the fish, right? This is, the, 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 these are the people that we grow up with, the environment, the community, our friends, our, our family, our church, right? This is the water in which we swim. The environmental level can also shape our personality. In fact, studies indicate that our environment shapes our personality a ton, a ton. Our family environment, the number of children we grew up with, the school environment has a radical impact on students and our personalities, our teachers and peer groups, our relationships with family, mass media, social media, cultural environment, all of that shapes our personality. Studies indicate that our personalities change Every day of our lives, even prenatally, every day of our lives from pre-birth to death, our personalities are changing. Now, over time, our personalities change at a slower pace the older we get. But early on, kids and, and youth in particular, adolescents, their brains are changing like every day. It's like, who are you? You were this yesterday, now you're this today. So our brains are always changing, right? A lot of that has to do with the environment around us. Our likes are environmental most of the time. The food we like, the style we like, the entertainment we like is largely shaped by the environment. We tend to like what we are most exposed to. Give a little example. I am absolutely obsessed with Southern California Mexican food. Absolutely obsessed with it, right? Uh, probably have it five times a week. No joke. So we went to Texas. You can't eat that. You go to a Mexican restaurant, you can't even eat it. It's disgusting. It's not Mexican. They put ground beef in hard shell tacos. What are you doing? That is an abomination. And so you can't eat Mexican food in Texas. It's, it's impossible, right? Don't buy this Tex-Mex stuff. It's a mess, right? So, uh, but I grew up in Southern California, right? From birth, I grew up in Southern California. So any Mexican food outside of Southern California, I don't like. Now, I have a lot of friends who were actually born and raised in Mexico. And some of Southern California Mexican food, they're like, oh, that's terrible. What are you talking about? <laughs> Southern California Mexican food, just because you're actually Mexican by culture, what gives you the right to judge me? <laughs> so our likes are oftentimes environmental, right? And, and, and we just have to own that. Uh, the music we like typically is the music that we were just, you know, raised with. Same thing with movies and all that. So we just have to own that, that the environmental level really shapes a lot. Then there's the politics of it all. Politics are shaped by environment most of the time. Now we might think our political convictions are based on serious study and contemplation. The reality is about 80% of us just follow the politics of our parents. Just kind of the way it goes. Our environment means so much in terms of, of our convictions and how we think, and it's even worse with religion. Religion is basically adopted by our environment almost, period. Like 95% of our religious convictions are just based on our environment. Now, you know, speaking as a pastor in a church, I'd like to be able to say, oh, we have thought through everything and we've investigated everything and every word of every scripture and every, you know, cultural religious heritage has been, you know, intellectually evaluated and these are our convictions based on objective sound study. That's not the way it goes. It's just not the way it goes. Our religious convictions are 95 plus percent driven by our environment, right? We're just keeping it real here. It is important, critically important, the environment that we live in. And so if we want to revamp our lives at, at that environmental level, sometimes it involves changing our environment. Scripture says this in 1 Corinthians 15.33, very famously the apostle Paul quotes a proverb that bad company corrupts good character. So if one of your convictions this new year is to revamp maybe some character, personality, decisions, and you wanna be in a better spot, you're probably gonna have to spend less time with bad company. I'll give you one little example. If you wanna become a more positive person, yet you're hanging around with grumpy, negative, critical people, it ain't gonna happen. You can't swim in the oceans of grumpiness and decide to be a positive person. You can't. You can, I'm not telling you, ditch your grumpy friends, but just spend less time with them and make some new positive smiley friends, right? So our environment matters a lot. And then there's the habit level, the fourth level, the habit level. This is the stuff about us that we've just done a thousand times and it becomes so repetitive that it's just what we do and it's what we always do and what we probably always will do unless we decide, you know what, I'm revamping that habit. It's going to be hard, but I'm revamping it. It could be our food preferences. I don't just have an obsession with. Southern California Mexican food, I have an obsession with two restaurants in Temecula that serve Southern California Mexican food. I'm not telling you what they are, because you'll, you know, get in front of me in line after church today. (laughs) Uh, Entertainment preferences, that's just habit, right? We're listening to the same stuff, and so we just keep doing it. Uh, Personal styles, clothing styles, design styles, our look, our vibe, it's habitual. Then there's the habit level stuff that we're really going to talk about this winter during this revamped series. This is the habit level stuff that has significant impact on our lives. Things like time management, time management. We are people of predictability. We are people of of ruts and routines. It's just how we're designed. It gives us a feeling of safety, right, and sameness. Every single Monday is exactly the same for me. Every single Tuesday is exactly the same for me. Every single Wednesday is exactly the same for me. I have this repetitive rhythm that never changes. I mean almost to the minute. That's how I kind of manage my world. Sometimes it gets a little complex. So I do, that's how I manage it, manage it. If you want to meet with me, it's going to be on a Thursday. It's just the way it goes. You email me at whatever info or Rancho dot. I want to talk to Scott. It's going to be on a Thursday. That's just when I meet with people who email me. So there's just these routines that we get into. Now, sometimes it could be good. You know, I do block scheduling. You may do block scheduling. I think that's good. It's survivable for me. But there was a time in my life where my rhythms were awful. I didn't take a day off. I had no time for the family. I'd tell Jenny, "You know, this is when we had three kids in diapers, hey, I'll I'll be at home on Monday, and oh, somebody needs me, and so I'm out. And there was a time I had to revamp my time management. And I had to tell her 20-some years ago, babe, I'm terrible at being a, a husband and terrible at being a father and I'm never here and I will make changes. And it was two years of hard, hard changes and rewiring at the habit level. There's financial management habits, how we spend, how we save, how we invest, how we charitably give. Health management, uh, how much we exercise, the diet that we eat, taking care of our mental health. There are compulsive behaviors that may need to change, just things that are habitual to the point where we automatically do things that aren't good, like lying. When there's no reason to lie, we do. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Like you just lie and lie and lie. It's compulsive behavior that needs to change. Manipulation, how we talk to people, and how we maybe try to get our way with people in ways that aren't great. How we might respond in anger. These are just habits that be, that almost feel like they're hardwired because we just go to this so often. Um, stealing, just fudging taxes, and taking a sticky, you know, notepad from the office, and just we just steal, right? And then there's addictive behaviors, <clears throat> things that we do so often that they become. Addictive and so incredibly difficult to change, like overspending, pornography, gambling, uh, video gaming, social media, thrill seeking, overeating. Some of you are like, That's my entire life. It's like, Well, <laughs> these things aren't great, and we probably know they're not great, and we might have made commitments or resolutions, and we failed on that, and maybe we get discouraged, and maybe we sink deeper. And this revamp series is going to, I think, help us. It's not going to solve everything, but it's going to really help us get to a change at a, at a deeper, profound, longer-term, more effective soul level. And there's addictive substances, caffeine, alcohol, sugar, illicit drugs, just physical chemical addictions, right? So these are habits that can be destructive and habits that we know we probably should walk a journey of change. And these are the things we're gonna talk about during this series. So what on a habit level do you wanna see changed? Pick one or two. What on a habit level do you wanna see changed? Just put those in your brain because we'll probably talk about them during the series. And I guarantee you as we walk this journey, it won't fix everything in an instant, but it's going to help you and me walk a journey of getting better at those things over time. There'll be seasons of success and seasons of failure, that's okay, be patient. Seasons of success, seasons of failure. But over time, over the long arc, we're going to get better. We are. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12 about habits. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. The Apostle Paul was a Roman citizen, and so he saw the habits of Rome. Gluttony, stealing from other civilizations, enslaving people, um, celebrating violence, celebrating a horrific sexual acts that abuse people. And the Apostle Paul was saying, hey, listen, look at the customs and the habits of the world around you and just see that they're not good. And make a decision not to repeat those things, right? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And in the Bible, the mind and the heart are the same thing. The Bible does not separate the mind and the heart. We do in Western culture, we talk about the intellect and the emotions. The Bible mixes these two. So essentially what the Bible is saying is if you want to change your habits, it's got to be at the heart-mind level. It can't just be making a commitment on New Year's Day. It's gotta be the heart-mind level where God is at work in us. So it's beyond just our decision. It's really letting God transform us at the level of the mind and the heart. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is his good and pleasing and perfect will. That's... That's the sales pitch. If you look at the negative habits around you, make the decision to revamp those. Let God transform us at the mind and the heart level. The reward is that over time and all the ups and downs, we're gonna experience the reward of living in God's will. And for some of you who have walked the journey of changing a a destructive habit, you know the pleasure of that. You know what it was like, let's just say, overspending. You know what it was like. You know the stress that caused when your credit card bill was through the roof. You know the stress of that and how it was robbing you of, a, of, your, of your financial future and security. You know that. And then you've made decisions along the way. Again, ups and downs and you know, starts and restarts. And now you're in a better financial position and you're more at peace and you're saving for the future and enjoy giving uh, you know, generously. You know the reward that's there. The journey's difficult, but the reward is, is worth it. It's worth the journey. A couple things, then we're done. Know that revamping is absolutely possible. We've talked about how difficult it is, but know it's possible. For those of you who have made a series of commitments and there's been a series of failures, you might be discouraged and you might have been one of those 60% that said, you know what, no resolutions this year. I'm just kind of done, I'm over it. Totally understand that. I'm not advocating for New Year's resolutions. I'm advocating for a long, complex, difficult, journey of revamping and changing some things about our lives, but know it is possible to change. In fact, one of the most famous passages in all the Bible is in John chapter 3. Here's Nicodemus. Nicodemus was in a religious cycle, habits. He was a religious Pharisee. Centuries preceded his religious patterns and routines that were very destructive, guilt and shame and, judgmentalism and And here Jesus comes and he's upsetting the whole thing. Jesus is saying, listen, the the whole religious law and religious traditions, it's fulfilled, it's done. Can we love our neighbor as ourselves? Jesus is installing a whole new programming on earth. And Nicodemus was struggling. His whole life was built on following religious rules. Jesus said, you don't need to do that. And so he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night and here's what Jesus said. Don't be surprised, Nicodemus, when I say you must be born again. You talk about revamping? He told Nicodemus, hey, bud, Nick, we're starting over. It's a whole rebirth. And tradition says Nicodemus walked that journey of rebirth. We don't really know for sure. But that's the invitation to follow Jesus. God wired us for revamping. He wired us for a whole new birth. So some of you need a whole new start. Jesus can offer you that. He can offer you that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. All things are becoming new. Isn't that incredible? We're wired for revamping. God says, listen, when you accept my grace, when you accept that I'm your heavenly father and I love you, When you accept that my love for you is unconditional, that's a new birth, that's a restart. There's a peace and a a life that comes as as a result of that. The old you is gone and now all things are becoming new. We're gonna walk a journey for the rest of your life of becoming new, of revamping, of becoming more and more like Jesus. Ephesians 4.22 says this, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes put on the new self, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's quite a thought. That over time, we can become more like God. Over time, we can become more like Jesus. It doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen through New Year's resolutions, but happens through a very long, complex, up-and-down journey of letting God change our heart, letting God change our mind, becoming more and more like him. It is possible. When I met uh, my wife Jenny over there, I was not much of a decent human being. I had a skill set and a personality that was very much wired for business, wired for tasks. Uh, I had an emotional depth of about a half of an inch on a good day. Uh, I think based on my hardwiring and based on my programming and based on my environment growing up, I was pretty emotionally stoic, just some you know, protective measures there. And I met Jenny love this lady, like immediately love this lady, but then thought to myself, I need to become a a deeper human being in order for me to actually love this person and be loved by her. And so I started walking a little bit of a journey of becoming less about business and tasks and, you know, propositions and get to a little more of an emotional center. Um, Then we had kids, and I'm telling you, the moment my first daughter April was born, there was this deep sense of connection with her and love for her that I've never experienced before. Those of you who are parents, you know what I'm talking about. And then realizing that my, you know, emotional center's gotta get deeper and deeper and deeper, and I gotta walk the journey of becoming more and more of a human being with the capacity to love deeper and be loved deeper. Then I became a youth pastor here. And as a youth pastor here, getting to know these, these kids and their stories and their traumas, Uh, accidents and family life and terrible situations and all the emotional struggles of adolescents. I had to increase my emotional center for them. And then I was asked 18 years ago to become the lead pastor here at Rancho Church. And I didn't ask for the job, but I was asked to do it. And uh, I thought, yeah, totally, I can do it. I'm working on these things and, um, you know, trying to become a better person and, and maybe that gives me the capacity to become a decent pastor, so I thought. And then uh, this gentleman, older gentleman in church named John Murphy, took me out to coffee. And what I thought was going to happen was that he was going to say, oh, I'm so excited that you're going to be our next pastor, and how can I support you? That's what I was expecting. What he actually said was, you're not my pastor. Now, he was, at the time, we were a traditional church, president of the choir. I mean, he was kind of a deal around here he says, you're not my pastor. And if you're going to be my pastor, you need to make some changes. And he said right out of the gate, it wasn't even a hello. It's like, you need to make some changes. What I see is you walking from one side of the church to the other. And this is a quote, like a man on a mission. And you don't see the people around you. You don't even see them. And what he says was in my mind, you don't care. Now, What was happening inside of me was, it's like, who do you think you are? I have been in ministry for like four years. (laughs) I got it all together. What I wanted to do was defend myself and I wanted to tell him, well, if you only knew how far I've come, you might be a little more gracious. So all these things were kind of loaded up in my mouth, like wanting to say. But I decided in that moment that I wasn't gonna say anything, no self-defense, no telling the story, but just to humbly say, you're right, and I need to improve, and will you help me improve? And I meant it, it wasn't a platitude, I meant it. And over the next 18 years, I'm still working on that journey. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'm still working on that journey, right? Um, and it's something that I will keep working on for the rest of my life. I'm not denying my hardwiring, I'm not denying my programming, I'm not denying my environment of the past, I want to still be a person who, you know, takes care of business and gets tasks done and, you know, orderly, in an orderly way, you know, accomplish some, some things. I don't want to deny that, but I want to add to that a humanizing journey that makes me a better husband to my wife and a better father to my kids and a better pastor for you all. Um, that's a journey that will continue for the rest of my life. That's a journey of change. It's a journey of revamping, right? So where do you want to revamp? at a habit level, or at a personality level, where do you wanna revamp? It is possible. And then lastly, revamping is absolutely possible, but absolutely difficult. Revamping is absolutely possible, but absolutely difficult. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. So that should give you some comfort. That's that whole nobody's perfect thing, right? And so if you have done some things that are wrong and you've continued to do some things that are wrong, would you just know that you're just a human being and that that's okay? If you're terribly destructive to other people, you need to cool those jets and make some real changes. But if you have a cycle of making commitments and failing on those commitments, just know that that's normal and be patient with yourself, be gracious with yourself. But listen to Galatians 5.17. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So this is the Apostle Paul wrote half of the New Testament. He says, listen, we're fighting ourselves for our entire lives. There's the old nature and the new nature. There's the old nature that just does what we wanna do and falls into bad habits. And there's the new nature that wants to honor God and honor each other. And those two natures fight for the rest of our life. That is normal. So revamping is a constant process, right? And then listen to Romans 7:19." The Apostle Paul wrote half the New Testament, says, I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. The Apostle Paul wrote half the New Testament, says, I do things I don't want to do, and I don't do things I want to do. So it's just normal. It's just normal. Revamping, real change is possible, but real change is difficult. About five years ago, I had a physical, blood work, And I had a follow-up doctor's appointment, and the doctor said, your blood sugar is approaching prediabetes. And I thought, well, I don't like that news. Um, So I went home and did some study on what it takes to reduce my blood sugar. I hadn't even spent one bit of attention on this my entire life, and I did not like what I saw. I saw we have to reduce sugar. Not a big dessert person, but every single night at 9 p.m., I consume a very large amount of sugar cereals. I'm talking about like Lucky Charms, Fruit Loops, the worst of the worst, more sugar the better, Frosted Flakes, all of it. I mean, right, an unhealthy amount of sugar cereal. Like, you gotta be kidding me, that is a habit, I mean, that I'm trying to pass on to my children and their children and the children after them. I mean, no way, and way too many sugar sodas. And, and then I read, well, reduced carbs. I'm not a big bread guy, but I discovered that corn tortillas at my two favorite restaurants are actually carbs, and white rice. I don't know what it is about me, but I just love plain white rice. I mean, all day, every day. Like, that's a carb? Doesn't seem like it should be. Um, I had to cut out, like, all this stuff, right? And then lots of cardio. When I kept reading, I said, like, well, that can't be true. I read the next article. Lots of cardio. No, that can't, can't be true. <laughs> lots and lots of cardio to get that blood sugar down. I was like, well, cardio hurts. I have a car. I don't need to walk. I don't need to run. I just, I, I mean... Lots of cardio. And so what I did, and and Jenny walked the journey with me, is I just kind of cut it all out. I mean, I made changes, 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 all of it all at once. Got a good couple months under my belt. I'm doing pretty good. I could cheat here, then cheat there, cheat here. A little sugar cereal won't help. Maybe half of what I used to have. After about four months, you couldn't tell the difference between that day and four months prior. I just, like it didn't even happen. And then I got real frustrated with myself and got kind of guilty and started making little changes at a time. And so I could say to the doctor, at the following visit, I have made some real changes, got my blood work, got the results, had the doctor's appointment. He goes, yeah, everything looks good. So, well, doc, uh, you mentioned that last year I was approaching pre-diabetes. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. Last year's numbers were great. (laughs) One year, doc. (laughs) You ruined one year of my life that I will never get back. But what I will say is, uh, we're back to corn tortillas at my restaurants, and we're back to white rice for sure. Absolutely, it's like, but no sugar cereals. I have made some other changes and, th- and Lots of cardio. That's going okay. But uh, all that to say is that you know, change is possible. Change is difficult, though. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. So here's the question: What do you want to accept about yourself, and what do you want to revamp? What do you want to accept, and what do you want to revamp? We're in a wonderful cultural period where accepting who we are is a good thing. Accepting our hardwiring, accepting our programming, accepting our environment, and to learn to love ourselves. So please absolutely love yourself. But don't let that prevent you from maybe making a couple of changes that in your freedom you wanna make. What are the things you wanna revamp? Could be your body and your health, your finances, your family, your mental health, your time management, your walk with God. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, there's no condemnation for any failures of the past or any failures of the future. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. You are free to decide to accept everything about you, but you're also free to revamp some things for your benefit, for your family's benefit, and for the benefit of the community around you. So here are the things we're gonna discuss over the next seven weeks. Seven weeks revamping our attitude, revamping our health, revamping our finances, revamping our some habits, revamping our time, revamping our family, revamping our walk with god. There's going to be something in each one of those that you can grab onto as a little nugget. At the end of this series there's going to be hopefully one, maybe two things that you're going to really decide to tackle. And we're going to tackle it with grace, we're going to tackle it with patience, we're going to tackle it with self-love. We're gonna tackle it in the grace of God and the love of God for us. And it's not all gonna be perfect sunshine and roses, but we're gonna make some progress toward a better life ahead. Does that sound like a deal? Let me pray. God, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the grace that you give us that never ends. No matter what habits we have that maybe have us by the throat, no matter how many times we've committed and failed, your love never changes. As we sang earlier, we've never been more loved than we are right now. You are never angry with us, disappointed with us. You are not separate from us. You love us unconditionally and perfectly. In that love and in the freedom of that love, there may be a few things we wanna try to revamp. We wanna hear your word out of Romans that says, we can let you transform our mind. We can let you transform our heart. And over a long period of time, with every bit of self-love and patience that we can muster, to walk a journey to improve, to become a little more like Jesus, a little kinder to ourselves, a little kinder to our families, maybe kinder to our neighbors. God, that you would be honored in our lives and in our progress to become more and more like yourself.